0: My name is Abel Koshinovsky. I'm a film composer, and we're here to talk about uh, everything film-related, and especially film music.
1: Well, Abel, thank you so much for inviting me here to your studio. It's such a, a great honor to sit down with you. Thank you, my pleasure. <laughs> so to start off, I'd love to um, talk about your background, and especially kind of coming, you know, from Poland and and growing up there. And and when did film mu- or when did music kind of find its way into your life? And when did you kind of veer to the path of film and television composing?
0: I started quite quite early because of my my family my musical family Mm -hmm. my mom played the cello in opera so this was my natural career choice at the age (laughs) of six and uh, from there on I kind of followed my my uh, uh, path and uh, played my cello I didn't like (laughs) <laughs> practice very much I, uh, and I had a terrible problem with uh, with stage fright oh wow okay uh, I could really burn inside when I was playing mm. to 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 a live audience uh, which was unfortunately a part of of this musical e- education right so at the point when when I discovered film and that there was music in film, this was something incredibly um alluring in, in the sense that you know I would I would be able to write something and then I don't have to <laughs> stress about it. I right. would just, you know, I can I can present my my work and and this would be whatever uh whatever I achieved I could present it without uh, uh without stressing that I would Pass out, or, 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 <laughs> and uh, you get whatever. to work in a nice solo area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and work uh, work of a film composer obviously is uh, a solitary one. Yes. So, uh, really, uh, no one no one bothers me too much. Uh, so this was this aspect that I really enjoyed. Mm. Uh, I I was aware that uh, I need some kind of education to mm. uh, to 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 back my uh my uh to 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 support my my passion right so uh, uh, at the time I, I thought that classical composition would be a natural choice at mm. least this is you know i grew up in, in classical music so i thought that if i could learn what a classical composer does this would certainly help uh, in in, uh, in film music so uh, but this had to wait a little because mm. uh, the, the exams for for classical composition are extremely difficult and I had to it's like a whole different level of, of studying yeah and you have to be really well prepared and, and have already written something meaningful to to get accepted uh, uh for for this profile so uh, eventually i started uh, studying a composition only on my third year of studying cello wow. at musical academy so so it was uh, uh, I wanted to start earlier, but I didn't pass the, uh, the, the exams the, the first time. And uh, next year I succeeded, but it was, uh, again, it, it really took a lot of work.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you, and you, you, you made a transition with a lot of uh, foreign composers to the United States. Do You've made a transition from your home country to the United States. I know there's a lot of uh, other composers that are around the world you know, working in their own countries, and some might be interested in, in doing that. So how did you go about making that transition from the Polish film community and film music community to Hollywood? How did that kind of come about?
0: Well, first I was uh, really unaware of uh, all the danger, uh, dangerous uh, uh, dangers and uh, how how difficult and risky a move like this yeah. uh, would be. So uh, coming to Hollywood has al- had always been my uh, big big dream right but uh, I was gathering information how how it looks like you know what, what, what I would need. get there and and I soon realized that uh, uh, first I needed an agent Mm. not that I couldn't just contact a producer and (laughs) and say please 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 you know (laughs) I would write you uh, beautiful music Uh, I knew that that it wouldn't be enough so my uh, my first step was finding an agent uh, in Los Angeles which I did via email by Mm. the way and uh, I, I wrote six emails to six agencies. Three of them responded, which which was pretty. That's pretty good. Pretty good, yeah, kind of ratio and uh, and uh, I only politely asked whether I can send my demo reel, and that's it. And mm-hmm. so so I I sent my uh, three uh, three reels to the agencies, and 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 then uh, and then nothing, you know, then <laughs> nothing my uh, month. Uh, <laughs> Weeks of silence, <laughs> and eventually one day I got a call from uh, f- uh, from an agent uh, from Evolution Music Partners, uh, Seth Kaplan, who is my uh, agent right now. Wow! So yeah. Uh, till this day, and uh, with Christine Russell, and we're great friends, and and this turned out to be a, a very fruitful relationship Absolutely. on on every level. So you're uh, one of your earlier projects
1: that you did um, is you kind of provided a... you kind of rescored the the classic film Metropolis and you kind of provided a a, kind of this... your take on it. And I know a lot of composers have done that. That film has been approached and scored many different times. Um, What was uh, that kind of process like for you? And was that kind of something that kind of got people's attention to your music here in Hollywood? Or what was kind of the...
0: Yes, the the uh, uh, um, scoring so scoring a silent movie uh writing a new score is not nothing that you unusual it's right. been it's been done many times and uh but for me metropolis was uh was a test mm-hmm. this was a 147 minute film right uh, silent, yeah. which means one hundred forty-seven million score, <laughs> and uh, and I thought if I can if I can do this if I can write an orchestral score of this size and mm. and uh, if I am able to, to to make it substantial to to support the the narrative on in such a long span that. It was like a test for me whether I'm ready to, to go to Hollywood, you right. know, to, to show something spectacular with yeah. big forces and since uh, I got this uh, offer to, 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 to write music <laughs> for it and, and I was promised that I would have any type of orchestra and, and, and choirs and everything in it, so it, it was really... A wonderful opportunity yeah impossible to say no to without <laughs> yeah, yeah besides, besides this was with uh, uh, the the film festival for which it was written right it was run by by a friend of mine who, who produced everything and and metropolis was really fascinating project and mm-hmm. and uh, I tried to to score it to bring out what's what's modern in it what's mm. still relevant and uh, uh, I I tried to show it in a little different angle this was shortly after 9/11 and it felt to me very relevant in that
1: in that sense absolutely and then you went any one of your earlier films was also PU239 was that one of your is it one of your first American films yeah yeah it was, it so was. how was that uh, approach what are your kind of memories of that film and was it um a, i mean you've scored films in Poland before of course so it wasn't yeah. nothing new to you but was it uh how how did it differ i guess was it different than working in Poland uh, Polish Polish cinema versus absolutely. American Well, Well, the, the main difference was
0: that if i if i failed here on my first project, I could just go back, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, that's that's really the the, the main difference, mm-hmm. the, the amount of stress, and uh, plus that the film was uh, produced by HBO, which right. had an uh, extremely stringent system of uh, of approval. Mm. Uh, it, it was really multi-level that first, obviously, my director had to be happy and the first level of producers, then there was another level of producers and all this was extremely uh, difficult to navigate and to please everybody and, and different notes and someone wanted the film to go this way, uh, someone else wanted it to go the other way. Yeah. And then after everything, uh, everybody was happy, it turned out that we have to start over because there's another level. There's a guy who is even more important than everybody uh, yeah. below him, and then we still have to change everything. So, so, so it was my my first uh, 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 clash with this kind of v- very uh, producer-driven uh, production, right. yeah. and uh, and a difficult one. Yeah. Uh, eventually. Uh, I made it through Absolutely. to the end which uh, which personally was a a big achievement <laughs> yeah, for sure and it uh, and tests whether I can survive this kind of stress you know yeah that's uh, a stressful situation. Uh, we uh, as a as a composer as an artist uh, I tend to laugh whatever I look, I uh, laugh, laugh whatever I write. Mm-hmm. So uh, somebody telling me, uh, you know, it's not not so great. It, it, it's not a not a pleasant thing, and yeah uh, not everybody uh, is cut to to deal with with this kind of input. And yeah. it, it, it it's really a very different skill to be able to to go past past rejection and to actually be able to cool down okay what they really mean by by this by giving me those uh, the, these notes what it really means perhaps they just phrase it this way but what bothers them is you know how do I translate this to uh, to musical terms right uh, because uh, w- w- when you when, uh, when you get notes from a non-musician someone can tell you this music is too orange Mm. right and and uh, and i would like it more green right Uh, i'm exaggerating right now but that's that's the point you 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 really have to find what this other person would consider green yeah you're you're translating yeah, yeah because because perhaps I strongly feel that that what I wrote is green, mm-hmm. and it may not be for somebody else. Absolutely,
1: and then so I mean you you, you did pass the test, you passed the test of pu two three nine, and then you're, you went and you started working with an amazing director Tom Ford with uh, single man, and which is a fantastic film and a great a great amazing score, and then of course Thank you did you. Nocturnal Animals as well. So going back to Single Man, what was it like working with Tom Ford on that on that project and. And clearly you guys connected because he called you back for Nocturnal Animals. So what was kind of that process? Uh,
0: this was a shock of, of entering a different world. And I uh, During my first year in L.A., I had meetings in all major studios and, and production houses. And uh, frankly, everything looks the same if you go inside... Warner Bros or uh, Paramount or Universal. it's like like little cities but but they look really alike yeah. they, uh, it, it, It's very easy to confuse one uh, with another. perhaps the, the only different uh, is uh, Disney because it has Mickey Mouse yeah. you know, right from, <laughs> from, from, from time to time. and and when I came to Tom Ford's office, this was a different world Mm -hmm. it was a world of uh, extreme attention to detail right uh, whether you notice it immediately or not yeah Uh, i i I remember artworks that he had on on his walls the different smell everything everything yeah. was was really designed and uh and meaningful nothing was accidental mm-hmm. and uh the same principle uh was uh he applied to film that basically every every shot is is really prepared and and there's always meaning and a reason behind each scene there's no nothing just to just to Let the forward yeah. uh, the plot. Right. There's there's always at least two levels of of additional meaning and and like in in Hitchcock movies when 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 uh, you know when, when uh, people talk about uh, Tom Ford and his st- very stylized right. st- stylish language, uh, they they often uh talk about this as if this was something you know unique right in in movies but if you if you look at at earlier cinema like 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 at hitchcock movies Mm -hmm. you know this was much more colorful even though this was black and white the 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 amount of detail hitchcock uh, Put into each frame and how, how it's lit, how you know it, it all creates uh, this incredible mood, which is which is as as much uh, important as as the plot itself. Absolutely. and we wouldn't have the same uh, thrill in in the Vertigo uh, if if we didn't feel this something intangible yeah. in every scene right. and. And uh, one of uh, and ha- how how you do this? You, well, you pay attention to every d- detail, and you understand how how everything can af- affect each other, and including costumes, makeup, lighting, set design, music, mm-hmm. uh, not only not only dialogue, and uh, a, a, a situation that we we're shooting. <laughs>
1: And so, and you, work, and you did Single Man, and now you uh, work with, on Nocturnal Animals, which is another fantastic score. Another, I mean, I just love your music because I think you're an auteur, and I really think that you have a, a very you. distinct sound. Um, so what was, and what was it like approaching this film? And what was, I guess, when you had your conversations with Tom, what did this film need musically, and what was your approach for this specific film?
0: Nocturnal Animals were uh, extremely demanding. Uh, because of the restraint of the main character right. uh, she is incredibly she gave up a lot in her life uh, she she chose to be uh, uh, to have financial security and uh, uh, financial shows uh, financial success but she kind of lost her happiness and, and Uh, whatever she she really wanted to do in life and uh, so it's a it's a very sad and uh, it's it's a sad person and and someone who is uh, incredibly sort of height mm-hmm. on the on the outside it, it's yeah, like and... like like living in an arbor uh, she she lives in a in a beautiful gorgeous house made of concrete mm-hmm. it's it's like a a cold modern castle right. in a way and uh and music had to reflect those uh, elements so so uh, it was uh, a very fine balance as to how far musically we, we could go in terms of drafting emotions and and how much pushing would be too much so mm-hmm. it's uh yeah it's it's really hard to hard to describe
1: yeah it's it's a it's an experience for sure and, and it's something that I mean it, the way your music works with the images and everything is just it's beautiful so it's a real accomplishment for sure Thank you. So I, I, we're jumping around the timeline a little bit, but I didn't want to talk about W.E., which is one of the first scores that I heard of yours, and how I fell in love with your music. And uh, so Madonna directed the film. What was it like working with her and uh, creating that? I mean, it's such a beautiful world—the uh, music that you created. there, were kind of building that sonic world. And what was she like working? What was like working with her as a director? Uh, being,
0: uh, collaborating with someone who. She's a musician as well. Yes, who has such a vast and different experience mm-hmm. is uh, always an incredible, uh, incredibly fulfilling artistically uh, because her uh, her understanding of, of music was, was naturally very different than mine. Right. Uh, mine was classical, hers was uh, pop music mm-hmm. and I didn't necessarily uh obviously I I I loved pop songs as a uh, yeah. as a kid but but you know it's not my it's not my world it's not something that I I grew up doing so uh once we uh got through the first communication mm-hmm. uh, you know what I what I would mean by saying something, and what what she mean? Right. Uh, it became really interesting uh, understanding her different point of view. That, for example, from uh, from the point of view of classical music, uh, it's something natural that you start a piece, a kind of smaller, then you introduce is, uh, introduce it gradually and develop develop until at the very end, the last two minutes, it blooms right. and it's, uh, you know, it's breathtaking. Yeah. Well, her approach is, okay, so why don't we cut everything until this moment and let's just start <laughs> with, with this bloom. Right. And w- w- once you think about this this way and think about songs, how they how they function, how how immediately they have to connect with with the audience it's right. it's something like this, right you, you hear a song on the radio it's a hook. Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're hooked immediately yeah. and and th- this was uh, something really uh, inspiring and I know it' changed uh, the way I I approach my mm-hmm. music since then
1: because it, I, I, it, that, that score does kind of, hit the ground running, from what I remember. I mean, the, the first few tracks are already kind of... You're almost yeah. built in. You're, like, in it. There's no kind of gradual yeah. built-to-climax. That's interesting. I I didn't even realize that. Um, and then, of course, another score of yours uh, that you worked on <coughs> was um, Escape from Tomorrow, which was made headlines because of the way it was shot. Was it, was it ever for you... Any, there was any resistance or hesitation to taking on that project, knowing that it was secretly filmed at
0: Disneyland un, unauthorized? No, never. This was uh, directed by a friend of mine, Randy Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- th- this was uh, totally... It's such a unique project. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, irresponsible and... <laughs> And, you know, and uh, he had to do a lot of things, most of the post-production in Korea so that it wouldn't be stopped by Disney here. So it wouldn't be uh, stopped before it's out. Yeah. And they they uh, shot it in... With with little cameras you yeah, know cool. uh, looking like like a regular uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, GoPro uh, s- still camera <laughs> and not not a video camera and uh and they had scripts on their phones <laughs> they never uh they weren't never standing together in in one group so the the, the whole crew was scattered yes, they would draw across attention the, yeah across <laughs> the park and they were just communicating uh, over uh, over the phone and uh so uh this was a, a definition of a guerrilla yeah, film, filmmaking for sure uh in contrast what what we did with score was a a textbook studio production yeah uh, we we recorded with a large orchestra <laughs> in the Warner Bros studios that's amazing uh, uh, but because it's expensive right. <laughs> uh, I, I we just recorded a, a very short score so yeah. so not uh, you know we, we, we couldn't obviously afford to to have 40-50 minutes of music so yeah, so, yeah, so uh, but but we decided that it's better to To give it a, a beautiful life sound mm-hmm. so that you have uh, an impression of watching something real you right know? when you when you have a lo- uh, low-budget movie and it has its deficiencies uh, we had great set design yeah. because it was shot in Disney parks. Yeah, Disney did perfect so, set design. So, yeah, <laughs> so it was a pretty good set design. But uh, other than that, you know, it, it was extremely low budget. So yeah. if if you added uh, a synth score uh, trying to, to mimic uh, an orchestra, right it would only exaggerate the low budget factor. Absolutely. So on, yeah. on the other hand, when we added... Real live orchestra, the the best players in LA, and uh, you know it felt so so natural. It felt that that it's just stylized this way. Right. But you know it it, it, it's in a way it shows how much how much music can can make a, a movie believable. Or not.
1: Yeah, and, and you don't really think about it that way because usually it's the opposite. Music is always the last thing with the littlest, smallest budget, and and uh, usually the cheapest indie films usually have yeah those very yeah. small indie scores. But you the opposite. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, and then I do want to talk about Penny Dreadful for a little bit, which is mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing show, and you did such an amazing job with the score. Um, you know, it it did it did come to an end just recently, uh, the series finale and uh, what was it like creating a television score? I mean, over the course of, was it was it three or four? Three th- years. Three seasons, three years, mm-hmm. and so many rich characters, such a rich kind of, pr- I mean, the, the gothic world, I mean, that must have been an amazing canvas for you as a composer. Was it, what was the experience and appeal to you as a storyteller?
0: Uh, P- Penny Dreadful uh, w- wasn't that a typical TV production in, in the sense that it was the acting talent was really a list yeah. actors from from theatrical movies uh, set design costumes uh, script John Logan, John Logan. Who amazing right wrote so many incredible gladiator things. And, yeah. yeah and and this is just an an incredible uh, wordsmith, and yeah. and he, his writing was uh, w- was an actual inspiration, w- w- which I was surprised because he, usually I I respond mostly to to the visual aspect mm. of the film. This is what gives me the most insight into into the characters, how they how they behave in all little. You know fa- facial expressions what right. they what they try to hide you know what's their internal right. word that that's not uh, spoken, spoken. Yeah. and and uh, this was the first time that that I encountered dialogue which actually speaks to me mm. and inspires me to to go a s- 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 certain certain way uh, Penny rattle was uh, a very Alien world to me. I, I had never done uh, this uh, a horror movie, and yeah. and it, especially this. This was this was an unknown to to everybody how to approach the characters, which were not uh, not as we know them from uh, from reading old, yeah, the old uh, Victorian yeah. uh, gothic stories, but they were they, they were more more human that they, they had much more depth, for example, uh, Dr. Frankenstein or, or his monster especially they were very different uh, characters that we uh, that we used to laugh in those yeah. old black and white movies. Right. When, when you when you have Frankenstein's monsters with this square head yeah. and, and you know all, all the stitches there, yeah. <laughs> and it's a little cartoonish, right? Right. And yeah. and there was nothing like this in, in Penny Dreadful. So uh for for everybody it was like a process of discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh discovering every character as we kind of as we as we go. We mm-hmm. we didn't really uh know how how it would end
1: Yeah. so did you treat it I mean I always ask this did you kind of treat it as one episode at a time did you just wait for the next script and kind of keep continuing or did you kind of treat each season as like a little arc did you kind of build it as an arc over the course of the season did you know how the season was going to end when you started the first episode or was it just here's the next script here's the next script type thing uh,
0: I I read all scripts for, for the first season this is how, mm-hmm. how I started to to get uh, an overall arc, right, and then uh, I was uh, given an episode after episode. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for season for season three, it was very difficult because the yeah. uh, uh, because of the plot happening in uh, partly in, in America, which was shot in Spain. <laughs> Uh partly in in London, which was shot in Ireland. <laughs> uh, but because of it, uh, because of the production schedule, uh, the the episodes were really not in order. Uh, the ending uh, was uh, uh, was h- hidden from all of us for a long time. Yeah, because so it was uh, the idea
1: was that they planned to wrap it up, but they didn't really tell Is that, was that was the idea that it
0: was like season 3 was going to be we're well gonna... i was told that if uh if i ho- hold something <laughs> uh, musically that i i wanted to use eventually then now is the time to, to use it so you kind of to have use the it idea. yeah and
1: uh, don't save anything for yes, next season and,
0: and and i was told that that there's a chance that that this could be the the last season yeah uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a three-year adventure, uh, yeah. really. Uh, ev- uh, every time it was five to six months of, wow. of work.
1: that's a lot. Yeah, I mean it's and it's well, that, that's the best part about it. It'll live forever, you know, <laughs> on on screen. Um, so looking, kind of, we talked about all your individual projects and such, but looking at your kind of. Uh, your 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 style and everything overall your we talked about you're classically trained and you you always love to use the orchestra um but we're we do live in a modern time where synth and electronics and and everything are kind of the norm and the expected and being such a classically trained composer in this world what are your views on you know, the industry kind of saying, let's get it out quicker, 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 cheaper, 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 you know, where you're really kind of keeping this tradition alive of orchestral writing. I I,
0: I do something else. Uh, Slower, slower, slower. (laughs) More expensive. More expensive (laughs) instruments, more expensive instruments. Uh, So my, uh, the way I treat electronic instruments is like, uh, as I would uh, an acoustic instrument, Mm. which means that, uh if you have a low quality violin mm-hmm. it has a really harsh sound kind of it doesn't have the silky tone no matter how good a player is right uh, it's uh, it's not as pleasing and if you assemble an orchestra uh, a violin section from instruments of poor quality it is a very different sound that's a group of beautifully crafted instruments. Right. And also expensive. Yeah. So uh, one of my first uh, impressions of of working uh, in Los Angeles was that that oh my god I I've never heard a violin sounding like this. Mm. So soft and and velvety and how they do it. And you know well this guy has a Stradivari (laughs) No. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I I I I tend to uh, apply the same principle to electronic instruments, mm-hmm. and for me to uh, to include any electronic instrument in my score is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. I I I try to well everybody I, I i had a uh, i had a period of you know trying every new plugin yeah and, and you know and and it's uh, fascinating and, and it's addictive uh it's also really distracting mm. and it uh it's like uh at some at some point you you need to get another toy right which doesn't necessarily make you uh, better things. It's just a, a new toy. Right. Absolutely. So uh I'm slowly moving uh, from software to 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 hardware and mm-hmm. and trying to to do as little inside the computer uh, as possible, uh, which means uh, well, if. If uh, you know, we, we we mix music obviously in, in a studio, so right, it's with yeah. with uh, serious uh, hardware mm. and and really w- well crafted equipment. But this also applies to to electronic instruments. I I tend to, even though <coughs> I appreciate how much uh, software synthesizers uh, evolved, I you know I I, I still. Can hear a different mm-hmm. uh, difference, and and just l- listening to to a proper uh, h- hardware synthesizer where electricity has this uh, incre- incredible v- vibrancy. Uh, it's uh, it's a little like uh, like dealing with an acoustic instrument. Yeah, but I and I,
1: I just love the way. Uh, the way you treat music and the way you treat orchestral music, I mean, and I think it's something that you're... I love that you keep it, it part of your sound your style because I don't think you can replicate. I mean, there are some great synth scores out there, but the way you, as I said earlier, I mean, the way you can make a violin cry almost, the way... You, the performance, I think the, the the human touch of that is yeah. completely... you can't substitute that. <laughs> so just kind of looking... Uh, overall, the the entire process that you, no matter what film you approach, what is what would you say is the most difficult part of your job? If you had to pinpoint the from the process from start to finish, from starting a score to finishing a score, what was would be the most difficult? Or does it change every time? Is it always
0: kind of? No, it's it's always the the, the first note. First it's note. always the <clears throat> the the beginning. What. Uh, not the first note that you play, the first note that you decide to accept. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is something that will determine what, whatever you write next. If, right. if I decide that, okay, so it's going to be a theme here, then I'm going to be uh, uh, living with this, right? Yeah. And, uh, and if it's not so, as great as I thought, then I will deal with this problem all the time throughout right. the whole score. Wow! Well, yeah, which means that it that it uh, it just bears an you know, enormous responsibility. This first motive mm. that gets uh, that makes it into the score. Absolutely. And so on
1: the other side, what would be the easiest part of the job? The most, either maybe the most the uh, most enjoyable, or maybe not even enjoyable, but just the the, the Part that kind of just you can just oh, this is very simple for me, <laughs> or, or, or fun, or save more. It's uh, the
0: recording session. The recording session, this is so, uh, uh, to me, it's something sacred, yeah. It's the it's like a mass in Catholic church, yeah. <laughs> it's the moment where where I no longer have to listen to uh. Ugly electronic demos mm-hmm. and I can present my music as I have it in my head All right. and uh, I can work on actual emotions and interpretation and um, the feeling of conducting an orchestra in this moment uh, it's unlike anything else uh, yeah. in the world really it's uh, it's very visceral and uh, uh, I don't know it's it's hard to describe it, it's uh, uh, the, the process of scoring is beyond anything you can experience during a live concert because you are right. so close to the players you're yeah. in the middle of them in the middle of everything it's in a way it's it can be overwhelming because there's so much going on and so much intensity mm-hmm. around you but uh yeah it's uh at it the same uh, at the same time it it, it gives me it always uh, gives me this incredible adrenaline
1: shot yeah for sure <laughs> and i've been to a couple of recessions and it is even if someone who hasn't written the music just to see it come to life is it's yeah it's really something very special um so kind of if you could pick any other role on a film set not the mm-hmm. composer writer director producer set designer if you had to, if you could pick one other one to do what would you pick
0: uh, I'm, I'm not sure if if on the film uh, I, I I like designing things mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm really sensitive to any any kind of visual cues and i think this is what, what i would do so mm. uh so like graphic design or, or like set design uh, n- not graphic perhaps uh, perhaps a painter oh yeah uh right. i don't know
1: <laughs> so I don't something know. visual yeah. yeah that's interesting i mean it, but it's so tied together for me and that's because I'm, I'm i told you i'm not a musician but what strikes me is that and you know you're you're creating a sonic world but it, it it's matching with the visuals you know mm-hmm. that's the beautiful thing about film music is that it's meant to be with the visuals and i think yes. that's, yeah um so i mean we're looking at, at at music right now I, I feel like we're seeing this kind of resurgence of live film music and, and we're seeing all these concerts everywhere and of course in your home country in krakow we have uh in poland we have this amazing film music festival every year i mean do you see that do you see that live film music is sort of becoming more Part of pop culture these 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 days, or do you still see it as kind of this niche
0: thing that needs to break out more? I certainly hope so, uh, and uh, you know it's uh, in the flood of uh, all uh, low production value content, like things that you have on YouTube, really. Low budget stuff. I don't mean it's you know it's 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 valuable. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. It's an entry to 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 bigger things. But we. This is uh, what we get mostly, right? So this mm-hmm. very, uh, very cheap quality. Of of everything, this is in, in. Uh, when you shop mm-hmm. right when you go buy food uh, everybody tries to sell you something really cheap so that right. you, you get it and uh, a live concert with an orchestra is one of the few things that That can never be uh, cheap. Yeah, because it takes uh, an insane amount of uh, uh Work first to get oh, uh, sure. get a player uh, uh, to train a player to be able to to be a, a classical um, orchestra player, mm-hmm. and 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 then to have this concert, it's uh, I think it gives us a, a glimpse of something really pure and and deep and and uh, emotional. Uh, and uh, I think it's uh, that there's v- uh, very very few things in our life that have this kind of uh, quality. Absolutely, I mean, and yeah, it's, it's there's
1: nothing like seeing it. I mean, in the audience and seeing it like that, and hearing it like that.
0: Yeah, especially that that it's happening uh, live. Yeah. Uh, if you, it, it's the same with uh, you look at Cirque du Soleil, right?
1: Mm, right. Yeah.
0: It. It's happening, the performance is happening as we, as we see it and, you know, it cannot work for it just this one place mm-hmm. and uh, the cost of a production like this is insane and yet we want to pay a very expensive ticket to, to cool. watch this because this is very different uh, to, to watching a movie. Mm-hmm. which which has an advantage of of you know splitting the cost yeah basically uh, and uh, as much as i as I love uh you know movies which are well produced and you know polished and and uh, imaginary and, uh, it's still something different the the moment when we we when we can connect to perfection mm-hmm. uh just in in real life Absolutely. in real time
1: for sure well i want to thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, my pleasure. and it was such a enlightening uh chat to to sit here and, and pick your brain for a little bit so thank you so much thank you very much